I was probably in shock for five hours. I was unable to hold my son. I was unable to put him on my chest. I couldn't nurse. It was unbelievable. Welcome to Secret Life Podcast. I'm Brianne Davis-Gant. Mark and I are blown away by the tremendous support on the heels of our 150th episode. We're excited to welcome thousands of new subscribers and wanted to share a few of our past listener favorites. Thank you again for subscribing, favoriting, and sharing. Now sit back and enjoy the show. This episode contains discussions of sexual assault. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Secret Life Podcast. Tell me your secret. I'll tell you mine. When I first started my recovery 11 years ago, I struggled through the textbook-like material on the subject. I wanted to make the addiction and the recovery from it accessible and relatable to more people by telling it in an entertaining way. Well, I'm super excited to announce I've released my first book, Secret Life of a Hollywood Sex and Love Addict. If I can help just one person find a solution or at least realize they're not broken or alone, then writing this has been worth it. You can pick up the book exclusively at Amazon or signed copy at secretlifenovel.com. And the best way to support our podcast is to subscribe and share. If you haven't left a review or rating on Apple Podcasts yet, please do. It'll help more people find our show. And if you want to be a guest, shoot me a note at secretlifepodcast at iCloud.com. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to Secret Life Podcast. I'm Brianne Davis-Gant. Today, I'm pulling back the curtains of all kinds of human secrets. We'll hear about what people are hiding from themselves or others. You know those deep, dark secrets you probably want to go to your grave with? Or those lighter, funnier secrets that are just plain embarrassing? Really, the how, what, when, where, and why of it all. Today, my guest is Trinity. Now, Trinity, I have a question for you. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) What is your secret? My secret was one that I was taking to the grave, not telling anybody, finding my courage and my bravery. But um, so when I was 22 years old, I was sexually assaulted by my OBGYN during the birth of my first son. Wow. I, I can't even imagine how that would feel. And uh, wow, I just have to take a moment for a second. Yeah, Let just breathe. <laughs> Let's both just Ooh. breathe for a second because I yeah. have a son. I recently gave, well, two and a half years ago. So that's mm-hmm. just like when you just said it, that really just like made my stomach drop. Mm. Because here's this Mine beautiful too. moment, you know, with your, you're bringing yeah. a life into the world and then somebody takes advantage at the same time. Mm-hmm. Can you take us to that moment? Do you feel comfortable? Yeah, I do actually. Um, he's 32 today, by the way. Oh, but, wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I didn't obviously at 22 know any better. I, you know, we didn't take any type of, um, birthing class like Lamaze or anything like that yeah um so didn't really have any tools no skills I mean I literally knew nothing yeah and um so it was 
pretty uneventful. I mean, it was kind of like I was made for having babies. So there wasn't a lot of drama, trauma, like prior to, you know, the birth. Right. It was going along pretty well. And um, when, you know, my water broke, that was the only time that I felt like, like I screamed at the top of my lungs because I was not expecting the pain to go from like a eight to a 20. Wow. (laughs) And, uh, You know, so that was my only like really moment that was kind of shocking, like even to me. Right. Right. And um, so anyways, doctor, you know, I had picked a regular OBGYN, which, you know, back in the 80s, we had choices, too. You did have midwives. They weren't really as popular back then as they are today. Uh huh. Um, so that's how I ended up with this OBGYN. And so they got him and, you know, he coached me through it and my baby boy was delivered while he was stitching me. He was using his knuckle to hit my clitoris. What? Yeah. And I, I, you know, like, so, I mean, I have, I already have like, you know, my brain dripping from just the birth. Yeah. And now I have this, like this, like, wait, what is, what is, wait, what is this? What is happening? And I, I went into shock, Uh um, which I didn't know at that moment. This is all, you know, what I'm realizing now, but I went into shock and, um, and you know, he didn't stop. So he did not stop until I had an orgasm and I was probably in shock for five hours. I was unable to hold my son. I was unable to put him on my chest. I couldn't nurse. It was unbelievable, unreal. And, you know, this wasn't the first time that, you know, I had a a sexual molestation when I was a little girl at five or six. And I think that's, I don't know, they, I know, I'm telling you these predators, they smell it. I, I don't know how. Yeah. They know, but they just know. Well, I, they say one out of every three young girls are sexually assaulted, and I am a survivor also. So I completely mm-hmm. understand what you're talking about. Yeah. And so, like, you don't have a voice at five or six. Yeah. So here I am at 22, and, I, and I'm back. I've, like, regressed, and I'm back at five or six with no voice. Wow. And I, I mean, you know, I'm 55 years old today. And I have never told anybody about this. I'm just like, my my mouth is open. And it's like, you couldn't even like, you're already I've given birth and you're already so unattached to your body, right? So you're you're bringing right. this other being into the world. And then for this person to take advantage of your vulnerability. I mean, did you feel that affected you as a mother after, you know, the baby was given to you? Did you feel detached? I mean, I feel like I would, I would be totally detached. Totally detached. And I think maybe even on a subconscious level, because I really wasn't conscious like I am today of, you know, just trauma and the brain and all that. Yeah, you know, I we think just down. on a subconscious later, you know, I, I believe that my trauma was triggered yeah. at that point. And I had all the manifestations of disassociation. I left my body like I did with my perpetrator when I was a little girl. Yeah, me too. I mean, it's like you literally full full float out of your body and you're above yeah. looking down and you're in a part of you is like, how can I be there, but be here? It's the weirdest right. thing. And then it was the bonding with him. Uh-huh. I mean, I, it was, it was not, it was not good. I mean, I just, I struggled, you know, I did nurse. Uh Um, they did have to get, I asked for help. I mean, thank God. So a lactation consultant came in so she could at least teach me, 
like that. So, I mean, he did get some of that nurture from that. And, you know, when I did have therapy later, the therapist figured out that I had PTSD, but did not, you know, of course I didn't tell that part of it, but they figured out that I must've had some PTSD trigger because I had an abortion and this doctor did the abortion. What? So yeah. Before or after? before I never saw him ever again. After that, I never, ever laid eyes on that man again. So they feel you had an abortion with this doctor and it brought up that loss when you gave birth. Yes, because he said you, because we we likened, because I mean, I wasn't even thinking when I'm in therapy, wondering what the heck is wrong with me. Like I can't bond with this child. Yeah. I mean, a lot of mothers feel like that anyways, but on top of it, you're like, what is going on? I feel so detached. Right. And so we likened it to the fact because he just came right out and he said, okay, have you ever lost a child or, you know, and then I was like, and you know, I said, well, I mean, I had an abortion. I mean, yeah, I didn't, you know, I was young. I didn't think, you know, I didn't think that was life. You know, I was under the guise that it was just the tissue blob until you actually have the abortion. Then you realize it's life because you can feel it yeah. leave you, you know, and that was stuff too. So, I mean, you know, he was the only person that I talked. So he said, okay, so that would make sense. He said, so because you're having signs of PTSD, that's, those are all, you know, dissociation is, is trauma, you know, post-traumatic. So I think what happened when you had the baby you were in post-traumatic from the reality of the abortion. Right. And that was giving you, you know, which made sense. And, you know, honestly, what I did, Brianne, is I made sense of it. Well, I would too, if I was in your shoes or anybody's shoes, you can have PTSD from having a miscarriage, for having an abortion, you know, just in general. So that makes sense. Yeah. So when did it hit you? When did this, you know, this, this, horrible assault come to to your realization that it happened it came back into realization um after i heard you on another lady's podcast and it was through um it was alcohol it was like alcohol unlimited or something like anyway so i had kind of stumbled upon you know i was kind of like into podcasts and i was kind of checking a bunch out and so i thought oh god this girl looks pretty let me you know let me check her out so I was like, I love her. Like, she's just a good teacher. I mean, mm-hmm. she was like, you know, learning. I was learning a lot from her. So as you were a guest on her show and I thought, oh my God. And then I just started thinking, do I have a secret? Like, I'm pretty sure I told all my secrets, <laughs> you know, cause I've been yeah. in 12-step programs. So, I mean, I've gone through some of that stuff. The four-step you know, so, I mean, and, yeah. and the step nine. And yeah, yeah. we have to get and rid of our I, secrets or they kill us. Right, exactly. And I didn't think I had any. And so I just kind of went about my business. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, I don't know where it just popped up. And I was like, oh, oh what were you God. doing? Were you like doing some cooking or like no, working? Yeah, exactly. or what? I was just Yeah, I was just, you know, putzing around doing my like chores around the house, you know, mm-hmm. in the morning. And it just popped up out of nowhere. And I thought, Oh, my gosh, I'll be down. <gasps> that's amazing. I can't, I mean, that was obviously very buried, yeah. very buried. And some of them are, some of them we, like you say, you're going to take to your grave that we disassociate with these secrets. So we don't have to feel that sadness, that trauma, that all of that. But do you think you said you were in 12 step program? Do you think that added to going to 12 oh, yeah. step? Did you <laughs> yeah, spiral exactly. after the birth? 
Um, I held it together for nine for I think he was nine months old. Okay. And uh, and it's funny because it's like one of those um, you know, you have those moments in life that are like you know very like very pivotal, very yeah. meaningful, you know. Yeah. And I this was a one of those moments because I created an argument on purpose. Mm -hmm. so that I could storm out and go have some drinks. I've done that. Not with the drinking. I did the sex and love, but I've definitely created arguments in my life to to with, to escape, to use an escape. Yeah. So then you yep. went and just started drinking? Yep. And not, you know, I didn't know anything about alcoholism. So, I mean, I didn't, you know, I didn't get it. So, you know, I started drinking and then, you know, I mean, I, what I did know was that my uncle was an alcoholic and, you know, he hid it in like around the house and he had it in bags. So I made sure I didn't do that. And then I pulled up, the, there's like, you know, you can pull up online, like, are you an alcoholic? So I looked yeah. at that checklist and then my goal was not to do any of those things. Okay. So you, you, you looked it up and then you're like, I'm not going to be this kind of alcoholic, but did you turn exactly. into like a different kind of alcoholic? Oh, are you kidding? I was like, you know, it's on the calendar. You know, I need, I need time in between my drinks. I need to make sure that I show up for work, you know? And so I just, what I did was I just said, I want to be a stay at home mom mm -hmm. and uh, I don't want to work. So he was like, okay, you know, well, then we have to kind of, you know, we're going to have to cut down. And uh, so I made the decision not to have a car. So I, I mean, I made, I set myself up so that literally it would not interfere with my drinking. Wow. And yeah. how many, how long did that go on for? Um, it went on until he was, let's see, probably within two and a half months from that. So he was probably maybe 11 months old, mm -hmm. I decided that I needed to kill myself because oh. I did not want to be, I didn't want to be nor raise him the way my parents raised me. And I, and I didn't remember this, but it came up like later, I swore that I would like, I was not going to have alcohol around my children because alcohol was such a freaking, I hated it. Yeah in my childhood growing up, we were all having fun playing Yahtzee. And, you know, at one point dad took a turn and, you know, calling names and throwing things. And it was like, Scary. so I was literally, I was like living something that I had promised myself that I would never live. Yeah. And I didn't have any tools. I didn't know anything. So I just thought, you know what, I need the safest thing to do for him mm -hmm. and me is to take my life. Did you attempt that? Yep. I, so my plan was I was taking him for a walk. And when I came back, I wasn't really sure I had two possible ideas. And I just figured I'll figure it out when I get back. But as I was tying his little shoes, I looked up and I was crying. I just said, if anything is out there that's real, you better show up. <laughs> and on the walk that day, I, you know, a stranger ran into a stranger. Mm -hmm. And when she turned around, I was like, wow, what kind of makeup does that girl have on? Because she's glowing. And that got me to go up to her and approach her. Right. And so I walked up to her and I just said, you don't know me, but, you know, I'm taking a walk with my son. And I said, you know, like, is this your business? And she's like, yes. And I said, I just like, I'm curious, like, you know, who are you and what's this business? Mm -hmm. And she said, well, I actually can't talk right now because I'm finishing up this class with these nine-year-olds. But if you put your number down, I'll call you back and I'll call you in 15 minutes. 
And so from the time I left there and walked home, I forgot about that I was going to kill myself. And I got in my house and I had that phone in my hand. Uh-huh. And she called and she told me that she had this, this aerobic studio for women. Okay. And she said, it's a, it's a ministry. And I said, what, what is that? She said, well, it means that I don't, she said, the music that I pick is positive, uplifting and Christian. And I want you and that cute little boy of yours to come to a free class tomorrow morning. And he can just sit in the stroller and watch and you can exercise with us. So I said, okay. So I went the next day and Mm -hmm. I'm like in a mirror looking at her, looking at me and she's still glowing. And I'm like, what? I'm so I stayed after the class. And I said, I just curious, because I want to go buy your makeup. What kind of makeup do you have on? And so she started laughing. She said, I don't have any makeup on. I said, well, then why are you glowing? And then she knew. And she said, oh, she said, you're seeing Jesus. She said, I have light inside of me. It's God. It's his son, Jesus. And I was like, what? Like, I want the makeup. (laughs) You're like, I don't want the Jesus. I want the makeup. I'm totally crying right now. That is such a beautiful God shot. Like (laughs) some people don't see that moment for them. And you saw that and it saved your life. It saved my life. Oh my God. And so my attitude at that, literally my attitude at that moment was, Mm -hmm. okay, well, I can, I'll take my life later. I mean, I can give this a shot and give this a chance and find out if this, you know, who this Jesus is and, you know, and <laughs> who this Jesus person is <laughs> exactly because I couldn't get the makeup wow. oh my gosh so funny so and that was the you know the beginning and then like three years into that journey I was sitting in this church one day and I I've only had this half this is the only time this has ever happened to me but I heard a voice in my head say your marriage or drinking they don't mix mm. and I said in my head I don't know who or what that is, but if that's you, God, then you got to take away the desire. And I never had a desire for alcohol again. Wow. And so then like the twist of the story is that girl and I ended up becoming like the best of buddies. I mean, like the best of friends. Mm -hmm. And 12 years later, her little boy drowned. (laughs) And when that happened, the liar in my head told me that it should have been me because my past, you know, I had the abortions and my past was so ugly. Mm-hmm. And the liar in my head told me that um, I should get drunk because I can't do that's too painful. Yeah. Because I love this hate- woman. Yeah. You know, and I just, you know, I didn't even know anything about love. So I went out and got drunk and not knowing anything about alcoholism, kicked that illness back in. And it took me on a journey, kept me way longer than I wanted to stay. And I'm lucky, very, very lucky that I got out of that. Wow. Yeah. I mean, if we don't deal with that addict self, trauma, any sort of trauma will kick it up. If you don't really look at it and that's what happened to me. I felt like, oh, I don't have this disease anymore. I'm in a good relationship, you know? And then as soon as somebody died, I found myself two days later acting out, you Mm -hmm. know, wanting to act out, almost ruining my life. Right. Because I didn't do have those tools. And like you said, we need those tools, especially when there's sexual assault, especially when there's loss, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. And you've done the work. You you don't connect it. 
It's like, you know, I didn't really, I didn't really connect it. I never connected it. I didn't understand, you know, I literally understood alcoholism to be whatever I do. Don't put the stuff in my mouth. That particular, you know, I, and I kept like for three and a half years, I was wanting God to do for me what he did for me the first time, Mm -hmm. take it away. That didn't happen. I had to enter into 12-step program, which was really beautiful because I got to create a different, you know, and even though it ended up being the same God, it was different in the fact that my, there was no more doubt or unbelief in me. Yeah. There was no religion in me anymore because my God doesn't do that. My God doesn't punish. My God doesn't give me consequences. No, you know, my our God's God is loving, loving no matter. And, yeah, no yeah. matter what, no matter what we do, our God is loving. When that first time happened, because that illness, ha- you know, creates that liar in our head, mm-hmm. because my upbringing was Catholic, it just oh. came right back. And I just bought into the lie that sh- that she had done something like what, you know, why would it, why would God take her kid? That's crazy to me. Yeah. She's like a good person, way better than I ever was, you know, but again, playing God. So, wow. And then you h- listen to this podcast, you hear me and then this secret v- reveals. Now, how are mm-hmm. you feeling since that happened? Oh my gosh. From the time that I sent you the email to today, I'm a totally different woman. Really? Totally different woman. Yeah. Can Absolutely. you explain? Yeah. So when I, after I heard you, I never heard of, you know, sex and love addiction, never Mm -hmm. heard of it. Right. Yeah. And so it piqued my curiosity because I haven't had successful relationship. You know, I've been divorced for like 11 years and I'm like, I could check this out. So that's led me to the website and Google. What is that? When I read that, I was like, Oh my goodness. I (laughs) think there might be something else going on here. And then that gave me the courage to send you an email. Oh, I love that. Did you fill out the self-diagnosis, the 40 questions? No. Oh, you need to do that. I I identified with the 12 that were on the website. (laughs) Everyone was a yes. Oh, you got to do the, those 40 questions are it's when you're you're going through it, you're like, yes, 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 yes. So you have to fill it out and let me know what number you get. Yeah. So it's just been beautiful because I'm, you know, because of my experience in, in 12 step, I jumped right into action. So I was off work. So I, all I, I could do meetings. I did meetings all day long, just learning and learning. And I, so because I jumped right into action, I just, my, you know, got my top lines, my bottom lines. I mean, just everything. And so I've been sober. I mean, I just, I def, I understand now that my brain gets hot yeah. and my brain can get inflamed at different times. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because I'm not drugging and I'm not drinking, I have some of these little straggling like process addictions. Yeah, it's like a whack-a-mole. That. It's like you get yes. rid of the other two and it, it whack-a-moles into another area. Right. It come, pops up. Yep. And now you're really looking at that. Then you get it. You're like, oh, I get the God part now. He has to be the one to relieve that for me when I when this happens to me. Yeah, surrender all. Yes. Now, I love talking about the seven deadly sins, and I know you get it. It's more like the character defects that we have, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And and holding the secret of this assault and with the OBGYN and keeping secrets from ourselves, I, I want to list them to you and let me know if any of them ring true for your journey. So we have pride, greed, lust, gluttony, envy, anger, and sloth. Yeah. Yeah. They, I identify with all of them. 
Oh, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Can you tell me why for some yep. of them, like pride? Yeah. So the pride, which of course I could not recognize because you can't recognize pride. Oh, yeah. You know, but I, I understand the depths of pride now. So I understand that, you know, with the illness of addiction, how my pride would come up, especially with like in my spiritual journey, is this form of self that was rigid and religious. Mm. And how it was manifesting in my relationships was a self-righteousness. So I wasn't open to like, you know, like going to a Buddha meditation. I was like, are you kidding? You know, like that's, that's demonic. And right. I wasn't open to other spiritual practices where, you know, today it's, th this is true freedom for me now Yeah. because my best, one of my very good friends, you know, as she's, she identified more with the Buddha teaching, you know, and we have this big joke between us. I said, you know, I just like more power. And I like the one that, you know, was raised from the dead. Buddha's still dead. <laughs> so, you know, we just have this like joke, but it's like, it's so beautiful because my prejudices and my biases left, but that's how I identified with my, with the pride and all of my defense mechanisms I found out were all rooted in pride. Yeah. All that ego that is edging yes. God out. Like we don't have a God. It's all about us and what we believe mm -hmm. in. What about we have greed, lust, or gluttony? Any of those you want to share? Yeah. So um, with the greed, I mean, okay, so I have seven kids. There's seven a perfect kids? example of greed. How yes, are you I even functioning? I, can't, I have one <laughs> and I'm sure struggling. He threw a tantrum today and I was like, oh my God, seven. Yes. Wow. Seven kids. Right. I can't even handle one. Amen to you. Yeah, it was well, and they there was such a, I mean, really came out a lot. This particular deadly sin came, has been coming up quite a bit with, um, with my new revelation with the sloth. Yeah. And, you know, this, those children, I mean, God bless them. I mean, I was a good mom and structured and, you know, like, so they're amazing adults. Yeah. But we did not want anybody to have access to those kids. Oh, I mean, really? I was totally greedy with them. Oh, no, they were put on the earth to love me. Oh, and I, I was going to get my kind of like my validation. And, you know, and so all my identity came in around, you know, them mm -hmm. doing the, you know, the valuing and the admiring and all that. And um, and I just was totally greedy with yeah. them. I see that now. That's so interesting because I did some work around that with um, one of my parents and, and I felt like it was always about them, like mm. me being the child for them instead of me being my own child. And I did, I read this book that really, really helped me. It's called Emotional Incest. If, if you ever wanted to read it, it changed my life and my perspective of That's awesome. those relationships. That might be it might be good for them because they're oh. and they all have to heal and yeah you know, I'll attach it to this episode but I'll also send it to you it's the one of the best books I feel like any parent or anybody should read this book that's good and but I think that's really brave and honest that you can say that because my parent I'm talking about has not admitted it and cannot admit their fault. And I think that's beautiful that you just said that because the first step of healing is admitting when we do wrong, right? Right. Yeah. But you, you can't see what you can't see. I mean, I couldn't exactly. see it for a long time. I mean, they literally got in a chat room 
and said, you know what, let's, we got to cut her off, but we got to do it collectively. That's the only way she's going to get it. Good for And oh my God, (laughs) it was like crazy. I mean, I thought I was going to kill myself again. Right. Well, yeah, I can imagine your seven children saying, mom, this is enough. And you're like, what are you doing? And I don't know why, you know, but all I know is that same feeling of hopelessness and rejection. Mm -hmm. And that's when I realized that they have all, they have all the power, right? They have all the power. You know, I gave it all to them, you know, so I'm okay if you're okay. Mm -hmm. So mom's going to do everything in her power to make sure that you are okay and that you look good, you know, Mm -hmm. when we go out. And so people don't realize that, you know, there's this abuse going on in the home and I'm being neglected and, you know, and the awful part of, you know, my insides. Yeah. And then, you know, you add the drink because I ended up going back to drinking after, you know, the little boy died. And I just, I turned like so self. It was all about me then. Right. And just almost narcissistic to them. Because we know, no, like you said, we don't have any tools. We don't have right. the tools to know how to deal with the trauma coming up and the pain and the loss. So we turn inward and become very selfish and self-seeking. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So we have a couple, one more, maybe envy or anger or sloth. Any of those you want to share? Um, So I think gluttony would be a really good one for me to share. Okay. Um, So the gluttony was a real interesting one too, because as a child growing up in my family of origin, this is how I learned to cope. One of the ways I learned to cope. So one of the ways I learned to cope was, you know, lust and gluttony. The lust was showing up in the soap opera addiction. Oh yeah. And and like total fantasy. Right. I lived in fantasy from the time I was probably mm, six years old. Oh, me too. Me too. I loved living in that kind of fantasy. Mm-hmm. And so, but with the gluttony, I had an incident at I don't know. I think I was, I know I want to say like eight or nine, but I know that I wasn't in sixth grade, but I also wasn't in third. So it was somewhere in that range. Okay. And my parents were drinkers and um, successful people though. And so we, they, they were like, they had a drink and have a happy hour before every dinner. So, you know, I'm starving because I'm nine. Right. And so I'm like, well, I went in the kitchen and just made my own little personal pizza my mom comes in drunk and she decides that she wants half of it. And I'm like, oh, mm-mm. Like, <laughs> you are I not taking like, my pizza. Sure. I mean, I am not sharing. I mean, and so she was like, oh, well, I'm your mother and you are. So she was going to take it by force. <sighs> and I like pushed her and not like, you know, not hard or anything, but because she was drinking, she almost fell. Mm. And she grabbed a knife and put it to my throat and said, you know what? I hate you and I could kill you right now. And then created like this big scene. But what happened from that point forward, I never wanted to share my food. I never shared my food ever again and was ugly about it. Like the rest of my life until, you know, I started dealing with some of the stuff and I realized, okay, so, yep, there's a food, there's a food issue for sure. And do you feel like feelings. stuffing your feelings and like there's never going to be enough? So you hoarded it. There was it? never going to exact totally <sighs> hoarded it, hoarded it, ate it, and you know, and that was one of the things that I loved about pregnancy. I could eat whatever I want and gain as much weight as I wanted, <laughs> and it was natural, you know. And I mean, I put on seventy pounds with like each 
birth. I mean, the fact, and the only reason why I got it off was, you know, because of other issues, you know, like yeah. I'm like binging and, you know, even though I'm not binging and anorexic, I mean, I'm like that in everything. Yeah. So it's I'm all, all in for a little bit. And then I'm like, then I'm like, not at all. So yeah. if I'm eating, I'm all in in my eating. And then guess what? Now I'm not eating and now I'm restricting and I'm dieting. So I was like a constant chronic dieter and exerciser. Yeah. So my body's been like an accordion its entire life. And wow. I had this number on the scale that I would never go above and I would push it to the limit. And mm-hmm. then when I got to that number, then immediately I would find the diet and I would get it back down. Here's my question for you that you're talking about. It seems like living, it's like you're living on that roller coaster. Like it's just right. everything is extremes. And I love that you came to a place where you were like, enough is enough. And I need to find this God that is going to. Yes. And I needed the balance. Yeah. Cause you couldn't do it on your own. So if you're out there, you can't do it on your own, you know? Right. And you think you can't, like, I thought that my, you know, my strong will, Mm -hmm. which is part of what led into the pride and my self-righteousness. I thought it was my strong will that was keeping me from the drink and from the food and all that. It had nothing to do with it. No, it's just another way to control. It's just another way to control. It's just, it's, I, I identify with everything you're saying because it's like, those highs and lows and those that roller coaster it's all about control and manipulation and you know getting what you need in that moment mm, right so if yeah. someone's listening out there and they're finding themselves on on this roller coaster finding trauma that came up from years ago like you did what would be your advice for them right now you know i am a firm believer in 12 step programs mm-hmm. because i was supernaturally, miraculously delivered from drugs and alcohol through a relationship with Jesus in a church. Mm -hmm. But because I did not deal with the underlying issues, the moment something happened, like a tragic event, it sets the person up and you're either suffering needlessly, like my friend who lost the child, who was, this was like 20 something years ago and has never got past it. I mean, mm. literally just still in that, right? right. So like she, the, the glow's gone, the abundance of life is gone, you know? And she didn't have any of these addictions like those, but she's dying. Yeah, she's like living, but dying at the same time. Exactly. And that's what I see in this particular culture of, you know, Judeo-Christianity mm-hmm. is I'm seeing the women dying. So I've made it my mission to join all of my 12-step work, my professional work, and my Christianity and merging them together to start something for women who can come and talk about this stuff with no shame. It's going to be a no judgment, no shame zone. I love that. And it's necessary. You know, like I'm just founding it, but these, these groups have to be everywhere. They, they have to be because I'm watching the women die. I know that there's women preachers. I know there's women evangelists. I know there's women teacher and they're sitting there because they can't and they're, they're, they're judging mm-hmm. because they don't have a voice because of what's happened to them in their childhood because you lose your voice. And that was me. I was like, what? Why can't I share? Why can't I? I know I have preacher in me. I, I know my gift is my mouth. I know that's my, my gift. Why can't I? And, it, you know, it wasn't until like a beautiful older woman 
came alongside and said, you know, I've been looking at you and you've lost your voice. Oh, wow. And I said, what does that look like? Because I was like a yeller and a screamer when the kids were growing up. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, one thing I can tell you, do you, do, you ever, do you yell? I said, oh my gosh, I was a total yeller as mom. She said, well, that's one way, you know. She said the other way, it's usually connected to some type of sexual assault and trauma mm-hmm. that takes it because you're missing like the feminine piece. You're missing yeah. the nurture. You're missing the comfort. You're missing that part. And I was like, oh my God. Yeah, my therapist sense. said my therapist said the same thing to me. Wow. Yeah. Well, Trinity, I am so grateful for you. I'm so grateful for you coming on and sharing your truth and everything you've been through. Honestly, I'm beyond. Thank you. I'm so blessed to not know you, but I feel like I know you. I'm sure yeah. that probably happens. We you do. Know? Yeah. We, we know lot. each other now. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So super grateful for you too. Thanks for all that you're doing. Thank you. This is so needed and I really appreciate your work. I admire your work. I'm a supporter of your podcast and your work. And so you let me know anything I can help you and support you with, I'm willing. Oh, thank you so much. That means a lot. If you want to be on the show, please email me at secretlifepodcast at iCloud.com. Until next time. Thanks again for listening to the show. Please subscribe, rate, share, or send me a note at secretlifepodcast.com. And if you like to check out my book, head over to secretlifenovel.com or Amazon to pick up a copy for yourself or someone you love. Thanks again. See you soon.